Hello. Yeah, welcome. Hello. Uh, welcome to. <laughs> welcome, hello, what's going on? Welcome to Red River Podcast uh, special yeah. episode. Today we, we have a, a special guest, somebody that I've been listening to for for like 25 plus years. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Cool Keith. Yeah. What's going on? I'm just chilling out here, you know, out here in L.I. Uh, yes. You know, just, you know, coming out to have a confrontational speech. Uh, thank, thank you for doing this, man. This this is like a huge, huge treat for me. Um, this is your third time at the Velvet Lounge. Um, I remember the first time. Well, it's like, um, it's just like an intimate stop for me. You know, sometimes I do mostly theaters and festivals. So sometimes it's good to come and just do like a little you know an intimate set sometimes hey, listen it, it th- at this point of the game like you could do basically whatever you want so you mm-hmm. can come up here you you know whatever they give you obviously you know they give you some some nice chicken i see over oh, there they definitely have a great hospitable attitude when they when i come you know there's a bunch of nice people you know the whole staff and stuff that you know make it happen is you know just great i mean sometimes you can do bigger places and they are they have worse of people yeah no we you know what it is we're all like genuine fans of hip-hop yeah. and we're all genuine fans of, of like the work that you did so right. it's like this is like this is a fucking treat man you know anytime yeah. you come through it's like man it's like dr octagon in the building that's what i'm saying that's good i mean i'm glad you like it and you know appreciating my uh years of craft work and everything absolutely so um I gotta say, feature uh, magnetic. That probably was one of my favorite records of 2016. Oh, you got it over there, <laughs> yo. That record was like ridiculous. How, how did that come together? Uh, well, that's my production. Like you know, the number one producer stuff is like um, it's like when I branch off and do my own production and stuff like that, and I get other artists to collab with. You know, the projects I go out and find interesting artists to work with. It's quite. Um, quite a like a little process because i gotta go out and you know make the songs and then i send the album i send the tracks out to um different artists and they listen to it so i kind of you know nitpick what kind of artists i want on each beat and then i go from there by sending um individual artists maybe certain tracks that i created on my own to them and then which makes it interesting is i pull the artists out of their own element and put them on beats that they might not be on or something like that on their own stuff. So yeah, no. it, 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 it makes the project very interesting. I don't really know, but when did you start producing? Because I know you didn't produce for Ultra Mag. Well, on Ultra Mag, I played a lot of bass lines and stuff. Same with Automator with, um, yeah. uh, same with Automator with, um, you know, Blue Flowers. I played the bass line and I, I always play bass, even on our albums in the past, you know, you know, the, the Funky Head Up album and I played bass on, um, um, critical beat now even the um the the baseline kind of like on ego trip you know the, the boom 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 you know a lot of baselines i played but i never was like thirsty for the music credit yeah and you know because when i started with ultra um it was funny it was three broke three beat programmers um mo was programming um trevor was programming and uh set was the main programmer so you got three programmers, and then I never messed with any of the equipment. Then it flipped as time went on. You know, after it took me a long time for me to go through all those albums. I played a little bit of bass lines on a lot of the records, even Tim Dogs, 
um, when he did the collaboration with um, KRS-One. I played the bass line on that record. You remember Tim Dog and KRS did a record? Of Damn it. right. Um, um, so, man, that was so long ago. You figure, like, how long have you been playing bass then? Well, I had a bass guitar. I was, like, first a bass guy. I was always wanting putting the bass down on records like even when we, the group didn't agree they don't need a bass line like Trevor and them was more like they liked it flat hip hop I always wanted to put a bass line on a lot of records like I put a lot of bass line on the singles that we had a lot of bass lines on when we worked on Funky Head Up I was behind a lot of bass lines um, they did the production but I would come in and say that track needs a bass line or that. let me turn on the keyboards that needs something on top of it so they was more like wanting it to be like more flat hip hop. Set was more like uh, like an 808 producer. He did a lot of 808 tracks, so his stuff was like 808 stuff. So we didn't get we didn't get a chance to put a lot of bass on stuff that he made. Only really like even like two brothers with checks. I put the bass line on that, like you know, boom, boom. Like I think like later on too, like a lot of the stuff that you do now has always been bass heavy now too because yeah. so, like so, the ultra it was very drum heavy ultra was a drum group but then when i got into my own stuff i started putting a lot of bass lines on my own stuff like then i went into my own production and they stopped producing and then next thing you know here i am i got sad rapping on beats that i made you know in the future so it's like it, twi it it changed times and times and what was the the first track that you actually produced um, the first track that made I, it on a record on that, my album I think I I didn't the stuff that I did with Ultra didn't make it on they all did their production I played the bass on I think the stuff that I produced was when I started working with Kurt that's when I started getting the production like I think I shared beats mostly on um, when Matthew came out okay. when Matthew yeah, came yeah. out uh, I did I started doing the beats how'd you meet Kurt? Uh, Kurt was a fan one time Kurt was in San Francisco, and they had a show in Oakland called Billy Jam. Remember, it was Billy Jam had a show where all the rappers in Oakland used to go up there and hang out, and all the Bay Area rappers would go up to Billy Jam's show. And then it was like he had a TV show and an interview, and it shows around like Oakland and San Francisco. Yeah, and it was a hot show. So we was up at Billy Jam's show, and Kurt came over there to get Mo and Trevor and take them to get records. They used to go buy records, and Kurt would show Mo and Trevor around the Bay Area to get some records. And I was like, what year, chilling what out year was room. that actually? This was like in ninety. Um, this was like in the early nineties. So that's like Soul Sides Bay yeah. Area type yeah, right yeah, there, like yeah. DJ. Yeah, we Shadow. would go out there to do in stores, and we you know do our promo run, and we go to West Coast, we go out to L.A., and then we ride up to San Francisco and Oakland. You know, Ultra's out there you know, doing in stores and stuff. So, um I think for the funk you had up album. So every time they go out there, Kurt would show Mo and Trevor where to go get records because Trevor was like a record collector and uh, Mo was a record collector. So they said didn't too much get records. I would give said all the records because most of the hits on all the albums from Ultra was the hits I pick. I I got Eagle Tripper and Substitution. I picked out Funky Joe Cocker from my house. Nice. I picked out um. All those it beats was another on one. that I record. I picked out the, um, the Apache, you know, all the hits that Ultra had. Apache is always. I picked out all the hit records. I picked out, you know, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 you know, the Dr. Dre, California. 
Joe Cocker, I picked that out. So I picked out all the hit records. That's when they, they should have always, I told them they should have let me take my judgment to this day of I picked all the hit records. They picked all the other samples, yeah. the unknown records, the B-sides and the stuff that was on all the albums, they picked out. But the main records that made us, the main records that made us popular, I picked out. So so when-, when That's I, when I got into producing. Okay. And because like when those records came out, like, like you figure critical beat down, like, just I mean your flow was already ridiculous that was like 1988 like you were killing it like yeah. I don't you were like the way you your flow is like completely ridiculous right. compared to everything in the else that came out in 88 obviously follow the leader and like uh takes a na- um you know takes a nation and- well I was at my apex then I mean as far as rap I mean I was at the first album I wrote said that I, I in critical beat I wrote said's lyrics then said Stop writing lyrics on Funky Head Up and the Four Horsemen. He got the rhythm enough to write his own lyrics. But I wrote, like, Sad did, I, which I wouldn't say Sad couldn't write. It's just that for us to finish Critical Beat Down on time, Yeah, I, I just helped him. I just did all his lyrics, like Break North. I wrote his verse. I wrote all his verses. So he didn't have the problem. All he had to do was produce. So all his verses was written. But even to this day, like, he still splits the writers publishing with me, so I still wrote all his verses. But I didn't care about that. I didn't care about like if I played a bass line. Of course, it's not, it was not so critical back then of what I did and what I didn't do. I just was a cool person. I wrote his lyrics, you know, because me and Sad went to school together. Yeah, when we, you, we, went, we went to Clinton together. Sad was a like a good basketball player. So what is he doing? You know, Sad had all his friends like Kenny Smith, you know, on TNT. All those guys were Sad's friends. Like, where is Sad now? Uh, he's home. He's still, you know, chilling out. You know, he might do a verse here and there, producing, and he's still like. You, you know, guys did your 2007 record too. Uh, best we, kept secret. Yeah, we did best kept secret, and uh, lately I did two, two kind of trap records with said lately. Oh yeah. So I kept them, abru- uh, uh, you know, above ground, just doing other songs and interesting freelance songs, and you know, as now, you know, we said records don't really sell. Or make money records are the advertisements to the what show. you can do now. Like, you know, it's like you said, it's the advertisers. So we put out songs where people gotten, um, you know, with the release dates and the time to put the songs out. We just said, you know, we said, said make records and just put them out because it's just the advertiser now. So you can get a lot of putting a record out instead of, you know, trying to set up a record and all that. So we started making records and said, you know, he's more open-minded, whereas Trevor and Moe is still street street you know street kind of strict with with open ideas you know that that's why the group kind of broke up because you did you know you had to sh- share a lot of ideas and 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 everybody wasn't on the same page, on the same page of yeah. being open-minded like i might want to do some kind of brand new beats and they still want to oh we should go back to the old sound or you know nobody wanted to be progressive you know said was like maybe probably the only open-minded person whereas everybody else was stuck like on the on the 90s beats or the 80s beats you know time changes you know a lot of groups wouldn't be able to make that transition and no. a lot didn't make that transition so everybody from the 80s and 90s got kind of stuck you know yeah but i mean th- even i talked to grandmaster Cass one day he was like he said i even give you credit he was like you made the transition from like them times like you know even up to date that your um cadence you know, you're still relative to this day and current of going up to the stations right now from, 
lyrics from the past, from lyrics to now, from lyrics to the future, you're still making songs. Yeah. And doing songs. You stay relevant, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, you, you just... Well, my cadence never got old. My voice nah. never got old. Especially, my, like, we were talking about. Yeah, my voice um, advanced cadence-wise on music in general of me making songs. I, I always wrote ahead of my time. So even with the new kids, you know, I just fit in. I just I just I just adjust to songs easily, and I'm open-minded with the new beats. I, I jump on new beats. I mean, I mean, here I am to this day. I mean, from all generations of rap, like from all them times, from that time to this time to that time yeah. to this time. I mean, even to rappers now. I mean, my, like some people' cadence never get old. Like. Like you say, like a guy, like you know, some dudes' cadence never get old. Like, um, it's very few people from my time that have a relevant cadence. My, you know, some it's just a few people cadence cadences that never get old. Like, look at Jay Z; he has a fish original cadence. Uh, my cadence is a original, and, um, and maybe you can go to maybe maybe just one or two more other people. That might have an original cadence from that time, like Coogee Rap still has a, a infinite cadence. I think he's got still, some new music out too, actually. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just very few though. You can count on your fingers. Everybody else got lost with. They can't keep up with the, uh, the rhythms of the kids right now. I mean, and those kids still respect people who still put it down to this day i mean are you, people, are you listening to any of the new kids uh some of them i mean you have a few i mean the wordplay is lazy kind of like the wordplay is just lazy it's just not really you know it's like they just saying anything it's I mean, more it's it more is, the hook it's it's the hook for it's like 80 it's the hook yeah. but it has a you know I'm, I'm not mad at them and stuff like that but i just think um musically they still don't know better, and you can't be mad at them because well, of that time. Because they came, they came through a lazy, you know. And it's like you said, it's the slow generation too. They coming through a, <laughs> a slow come up. So it's a, it would, no, it's a slow generation because that generation oh, that was, was on drugs. That the generation came through <laughs> drugs, and, yeah. and and people were on drugs back then, and a lot of kids were born slow. So. It's not their fault. It's, it's it's what we were coming up in a time. You know, you had the heroin time, you had the crack time. Yeah, so, yeah. So a lot of kids didn't have. Uh, I was just. You know what I was just. They didn't have an intelligent uh, foreseeing in what was going on. So they don't know better anyway. But I, like you said, but then the next kid that's maybe even six years old might grow up and have a more progressive cadence or something like right now it's kind of silly like we i mean honestly you gotta admit that we're going through a silly time with music like it's it's it, embarrassing it depends on who because there's a lot of artists like for every like um little yachty there's a joey badass yeah i mean i i, I could say that i mean i could say that is 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 a thing to say you know some of those guys are cool i mean i can make like you know i, I i'm not i'm not mad at everybody like i like ray sherman i like um you know i like uh little uzi i like um you know i i have a i have a various like i could like jadakiss i could like you know it goes it goes back and forth you, yeah you know i like I, like like you, you know I, like, I have okay. a i have a broad i have a broad sense of what's going on from you know, all the way down from the worst to the best. You know, from the top of the elite to the to the baby goo goo gaga. I mean, I, I know, 
I know everybody. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to know everybody. I'm I'm conscious. Like you know, I'm not lost as an old man. You know, like I don't know the latest person out. Like you know, you know, I you know you, you know everybody. You have you were on a fucking yeah yeah yeah's record. How about that? Yeah yeah. How crazy is that? <laughs> who who hit you up yeah. about that? Um, they called me. The people called me. Um, his man, their management called me. The point was like, you know, and I started opening doors of me collaborating with the rock stuff, and that's how I transitioned myself. I started converting myself to work, rap on other things like the rock stuff, like me and Allison Chains would could do a song together. And plus, I was doing those type of clubs before these rappers. You know, like I was playing a lot of venues that, like Patti Labelle would even play. Now she's playing now. Like even. You know, like like you know, like um BB Kings and all these theaters and all those places that the rappers would never come into. Now they're playing them. Even the urban guys are playing them. I was playing those places. I opened doors in a lot of ways for a lot of those groups. I don't like that. I We're back. I don't. No, no. Go ahead. Diesel E. Diesel E. Yeah. Is in the background talking. And he just. Asked him. Uh, he asked Keith. Now, you, actually, you were just talking about your your favorite ten Keith records. Yeah. So, Go ahead, man. my my ten records. Um, well, I did ten albums. I mean, uh, um, I like them all in a certain way, though. Like Cenobites? Like it's like ten babies. I like them all. I like all the kids, but it's like I can't like denounce any child. You want to know I mean, my favorite? Which one? My favorite. Before you say that, I, the thing with, I was telling with the the people, the, the the public, like I didn't make the albums to be judged in a separate way of a favorite only of course i kept making the records just to be like separated in themselves like i never i never uh um compared dr doom to like i didn't want like the magazines i didn't care i'm in a band and i feel like i didn't care what the people think i just didn't want rolling stone to be like well black elvis is better than matthew because it was two different subjects yeah, none of, none of those Completely albums. Completely, those two records are really incomparable. Like, like, yeah, it's really a matter of your preference. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of the albums was incomparable. I didn't, I didn't want them to be compared. Doctor Octagon brought you to like this other place, though. Oh yeah, well, Doctor Octagon was the biggest thing that After, I did. I mean, the, you the went creation to, you of went to Octagon LA. was um with um what happened with Octagon was an accident. Um, <laughs> me and Automate, me and um, Minelik, Sir Minelik made. Oh, um, man, me and Sir Minelik made. Um, you guys are on some killer tracks. Uh, one song we made one song, and it was like um it was the song on the album with me and Minelik, uh, and then um um something at breakneck speed. I think Kirk produced it, and then him and Automate got in a little you know little twist about it and the song being released and him getting paid for it but it was a song with me and sir menelik it was a song that made octagon become dr octagon was the one song that we did in la at kurt's house and then we went up to oak um san francisco to do um octagon because automated liked it, the idea i came up with the name i said i I'm, i called i got this thing i called dr octagon i took it up to the Bay Area, um, Automator had Tony Isabella from Bulk Recording, and we started that label. We started an album called um, um, Automator, had some beats, and then I stayed with him for like a week and went upstairs with hot dogs and donuts. <laughs> no, I had donuts, Yoo-Hoo's and donuts. And went Toasted to coconut? Ceiling. Yeah, Yoo-Hoo's and donuts every <laughs> night and some pot stickers. Chinese pot stickers I can't never forget and I made that album in five days I did like 
three songs a night. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was, was pretty that, was good. It, that was I did, great. I did, I did. I did. I did three songs a night. I did three songs. I, I did three songs a night. Yeah, I, I did um, three songs a night. And, um, so you're done with with Octagon and and like when you listen to it as a whole, like you know you're listening to the mixes. Do you think to yourself like this is fucking pretty goddamn good? Well, Automator was a great mixer and he was a definitely I can say he's a definite technician at stuff like that. He's you know because he helped cut Master Kurt um, hook his equipment up. Automator is a, a person of wires and hooking up stuff and technology. You know he's like a Chinese guy. Well, all Chinese guys know yeah. how to work with um. With, with wires it's nothing you can say i mean That's, when do you know a chinese guy not to know how to plug listen, up anything facts so, facts yeah <laughs> so so automated automated is the best so you got the battery game i, I got I, I so i hooked up with the best uh technician and electrician and be, best beat maker and producer for that kind of project you know yeah. automated is a uh a producer within itself so he's not like i can't compare automated to to Dr. Dre, Automator nah. is different from Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is different from Automator. He's out of it, like between so, that and like Deltron, Handsome Boy, Ma yeah. School, like with the shit he did with Prince Paul. Yeah, fucking brilliant. So, what we what we did what we did was um the tracks that I did with Automator was it was cool because it was Automator within himself doing his own thing. You know, Automator didn't go out and bite anybody. Automator didn't go copy anybody. That's the most credibility I can give Automator. He didn't go out and try to sound like nobody. How were those shows? And then when everybody else tried to do like Octagon stuff or other producers start submitting beats, they were trying to be like Automator. I used to tell a lot of people when I used to get beats submitted to me, I said these guys are trying to sound like Automator. Like it, it, it took a hard stain. One thing about Octagon left a big stain with producers figuring out what kind of beats I need. Everybody was trying to give me Automator wannabe beats. So if you're going to be a producer, you should give me something that you're going to give somebody else. Give me a beat that you're going to give Snoop Dogg. Give me a beat that you're going to give Jay Z. Give me a beat that you're going to give. Um, you know, bust the rhymes. Just go differently and give me an original beat. Don't give me something that Automator did or try to give me something that sounds like something I did before or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's where a lot of producers messed up submitting tracks. I, I wasn't getting, I was getting for two or three, four or five years, I was getting um, Octagon wannabe sounding shit, you know, Octagon wannabe sounding shit. How many oct- how many Octagon shows did you do recently? I know you did Irving. Uh, I just did seven as a tryout, and the shows were sold out and packed and stuff. So that was the first time Oct- the Octagon was performing its entirety live, no lip sync and nothing. So, Koala um, too. Uh, with the band and me and Cuba. Oh, like you said, Cuba, it consisted of a, the perfect DJ, the best DJ, and the top electrician and producer of what is considered a uh, uh, breaking point music of experimental is automator. So in 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 the best in a in a good lyricist to put to to drive the whole engine. Now now what happened um, cuz you you did return. Well, return was a deal my boy got and it was with vitamin water. Well, my boy hit a lick. It was like I think it was just a money album basically cuz it was like you know, it was a, a, um, my boy caught a quick lick in um, L.A. and said, yo, I got a deal for you. 
I bought that shit. It got a little bit. Of, it got a little. That was the album with trees and stuff. Yeah, but, I bought that shit. You were on the yeah. cover. But you know, it's funny. Um, I didn't. I didn't like the album until later on. I liked it later as I grow. As I grew older, and I said, "Wow, I made something." But only thing I didn't like about that album, I was deceived in the production where I was. I was. I, I was getting beats that I rapped on, but when the album came out, I said, I didn't rap on this. That's the only tricky thing I didn't like about that. Wow, okay. Yeah? Now I'm saying I didn't get the beats. The beats I rapped on, the, well, the beats I rapped on was, I didn't hear them on the album. Oh, so then they switched the, the they production switched my on vocals. You. They put my vocals on other they things. They pasted it on there. And then they still wanted me to you know, work around all the stuff and do the stuff. You know what I'm saying, Derek? This is this 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 is my partner. Yeah. So I was very, I was very, I was very, um, I was very disgruntled. Yeah. About an album that I rapped on the tracks that I liked it, but when they mixed it and mastered it, and I heard the songs, I said I didn't rap on none of this stuff. So they did a switcheroo on me. You know, back then people was smarter. They had technology. I rapped on stuff. They said, let's strip the beats from under them. <laughs> Is that what Wiki says, Diesel? He says, um, he said that you liked the album, but he felt that it hurt your reputation as an artist. Oh. Especially because it took away from its, its predecessor. Its predecessor, yeah, definitely. It goes way against the actual origin of the first one. So it's like, if you're going to top it, you're going to have to do much better than yeah. Every everything doesn't need a damn sequel. So well, what happened was, yeah. Well, what happened was the beats. It's like I Halloween got, three. I, they 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 pulled the beats from under my vocals, and um, it was a trick kind of. So I, it was like a big trick album. I liked it, it, but I didn't like they took the records from under my vocals that I record. It's like sometimes I used to go to Europe, and I used to be in a store, and then I used to hear my voice in a store or something, and I'd be like. That's my voice. But I'd be like, I didn't rap on that. And that used to kind of mess my head up a little bit. Like when you, that's one thing I really never liked it. That's that was that's my biggest enemy in the music business is remix, is a remix. How did, how Unauthorized did, remixes and stuff like that. That, kill, that kills me. It's like somebody taking, changing my shoes at night while I'm sleeping, putting some cheap sneakers under my <laughs> bed or something. It's just. <laughs> It's just like it's just my nightmare overall in the music business. It's just always has been. Like I always said, once just I so you know, on, this is the podcast. Once, once I rap on the beat, once I rap on the beat, it should be the beat. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not fond of a trick. Like you know, you know, I guess James Brown when he sung on everything he had, it was what it was. I, I never had an album really that I didn't rap on and mean to rap on it. I just, that was the first time in history that kind of thing happened to me. That's why the reason I guess people will understand why I didn't like the project so much. But then what about um, number two, the one after? How'd that come about? Which one? Dr. Octagon 2. Oh, with Dr. Octagon 2 with me in front of a car? Yeah. Well, that was like a just a regular bogus album or something. Oh, Somebody stole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a stolen album. Some guy just I stole it. Oh, get out of here! Yeah. yeah. That's what I said for a second, I'm like, what are you talking about? For a yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. Yes. Yeah, 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 oh, that's Somebody so funny. Stole, really, yeah. 
somebody stole um, just some tracks from me and um, oh fuck that guy. Put it put it out with a, <laughs> let's, with, let's give him out, let's give him no shine. Some, yeah. no well, they put it out with some distributor and exactly. and there was no kind of octagon tracks on it at all. How did uh, Prodigy apo- uh, approach you, the the group, to use you for "Smack My Bitch Up"? Um, I heard the song and Liam and stuff. They they just sampled the record one day and um. It was big. It was just like I didn't even know they sampled. I heard they somebody said you on this big record that blew up in um Europe, and then they sampled the Smack My Bishop thing. But later on, I finally met the band and I did a show with them one time, and it was great to meet them. And I went out to London. I went to the Maverick office and stuff. I think oh that's Madonna's label, right? Yeah, Yeah. and they they wanted to do some stuff, but it was different. Deftones were on that. Oh yeah. Yeah, Maverick. Yeah. 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 Oh, the label. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Still? Uh, no, no. That that say, that like, that label's been gone. Yeah, I was gonna say like I haven't heard anything from it for like a minute. No, yeah, that label's been gone. Yeah, so. the the record was big, and but um, and then I got on another album of theirs, uh, another song later um, on the album. Is it I Diesel got on Power song. or something? No, it was. A, they had another two albums later. They had another record. It was just another song on on a whole another album they had. Like I was on like two of the albums. It was one another album they did. So there was there was a great uh, a great organization. You know they definitely you know took care of me and as far as everything you know the the writers credits and the publishing and paying and shows and and they the got you into and they, they got, got you into people's them. ears that would normally and it's sad that I, I I don't know what they're doing now but it seemed like they they might have. They might have made so much money they quit. Like I, I, I just never see sometimes a, a successful band that don't need to quit even quit. And they was very, uh, they was just fun. Of, they kind of confident in themselves. Like they don't feel like they need to come back out or nothing. They just seem like when they come back, it's like they're not doing it for the people. They're doing it for themselves. They just. You know, I think that's the best position to be in that, that that you basically you know you make a little like money on, on one of those tracks or whatever and then from there it's like the rest of your career could be you know you, like from there let's say you, you you get that one hit that two hits and then well, from they there, can tour forever I yeah. mean the the I guess the music and the tempo of their stuff is like dance music anyway so they can they can go forever I mean Maybe they don't have to make another record, but like you know, I wanted them to make another record. I guess a lot of billions of people, millions of people. I mean, they sold like five million records worldwide. I mean, I I think a lot of people wanted them, want them to make a record now. Still to this yeah. day, if it was if if they was never broken, you know, it's nothing to fix. So they didn't go out with a bad reputation or nothing. Like no. well, you know, or they fell off and nothing. You know, they they still. They just, you know, I don't know what they're doing. We don't know the plans. I'd have to look that up. I'm sure Diesel. <laughs> we 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 want to figure out what happened to Prodigy. Yeah. Prodigy, he's fan. Also, why, the artist. Why they, why they disappear? And they were still good. You know, they don't have nothing to prove got, to nobody. Oh, I gotta sleep. Yeah. You got you got. I don't, I don't have keys because I didn't have. He, never, he didn't have a logo at that time. Yeah. So. What do you got on your arm? I got. Dial What? All the ones. Are those the faces? Oh yeah, he got the logos. Yeah, Mob Deep is back there. Oh yeah. Oh why? That's that. That's my mixtape. I didn't have a logo for you. Yeah. Didn't use it because I didn't know what officially logo you were gonna use, so I just didn't get you. 
So you got you got uh yeah MF you said atmosphere. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you got Slug on the record. You got Slug on 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 feature. Oh yeah, I, I met you know Atmosphere. I knew Atmosphere for a long time. Yeah, he's been grinding. He's a for great a person. Um, I always liked Atmosphere. You know, definitely a person of his own. Uh, you know, innovation and in music and Vision. definitely a person of a lot of things. And you know, like you said, I have a lot of artists that that I like for myself. To you know, always that I like for myself. Just. They just nice artists to work with. They still nice artists without making music. They nice artists making music. You know, that's a good artist. Often, off, the, off the, out the studio and in the studio. Yeah. Now you. I mean, the the the, the guests on that record are ridiculous. From like Godfather Don again. Yeah. Sadat. Well, yeah. You know? Well, Godfather Don is a hard thing. I mean, he's like a rare person. God Don don't really rap anymore. Yeah. To get him on a song is very hard, and you know Don had some issues with the music business in the past and his labels and stuff. Oh God, um, Brooklyn. Oh, you know, and me and Don used to rap every day, but I don't think I was around Don enough to know the things that happened within his personal life of the music business that made him so like you know finished with music. You know, he'll do a verse and, but it's he'll kick a dope it's hard. verse. Like and then he's even ghost. even with the um. <laughs> like you say, even with the feature magnetic, I mean, it's 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 funny to have Don on a song, and it's funny to have you know. Even I tried to get Menelik on a record, and that that you know they know each other too, so it's it's the same type of thing, you know. Did you so many good artists quit? Did, I said, you had Necro on there. Yeah, <laughs> yo, yo yeah. I was like, I, I had to focus in. I was like, wait, it's Necro, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but like, what what made you put this project together? Because it was like, oh, like it's like you were doing some different stuff too, like some some like the band stuff too, right? What would you do with Mellow uh, Mellow oh, Music? Oh, with L Orange, right? Oh, you talking about L Orange? Oh yeah, yeah, L Orange. Yeah. That's a Oh yeah, yeah. Well, L Tom Astonishing was um, L Orange had some different kind of beats and yeah, stuff. Yeah, really. I mean, good I, stuff but there. I, that was before my album. I, 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 L Orange um, was on some different kind of music, which, like, he was sampling like some 1942 stuff and rare samples. Looked like they were hard to clear. It looked like they came from old radio stations and stuff, and you know, real 1932 and 1942, like, you know. You know, Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald. I like what Mellow Music is doing. Yeah. Like, they've got, like, they got their whole shit up on Bandcamp. They got a whole, like, independent arsenal. Like, they're really true to Odyssey, yeah. Mr. Um, Lift they got Apollo back Brand. on. Yeah, Apollo Yo, Brand. That, that album, um, not to take away from it, The Easy Truth with Sky Zoo. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I got that one. I have the... Blasphemy album with Razkaz. Razkaz yeah. is on this record too. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I put him on that right blasphemy now. record is fucking ridiculous because yeah. Apollo Brown to me and Static Selecta are like the two really like they're like my favorite producers. Man. Yeah, I, I matter of fact, I got some new stuff I rapped on with Static Selecta that I supposed to do with man. Um, that's that's with, the um, guy with, um, with um Sadat X that I'm supposedly getting in the works but i had finished a lot of my verses and stuff so i'm waiting for his his parts and static selector gave me um matter of fact a hot beat um it was like something different i had to challenge it like which which is good for me it makes me challenge more beats like beats i find to be challenging to me is great which i think a lot of rappers don't do anymore like people want to be on 
something kind of predictable, I think the best thing is to challenge yourself with beats, you know, which a lot of artists don't do no more. Well, you They're scared of that challenge. Like, you know, a beat is hard for them or they don't want to give themselves a chance. Some people want to stay in a, in the same box. They be like, I'm going to stay safe. Um, just give me the, what I had years and years and years. Just give me what I had. A lot of people don't you left take New York. chances. You left New York. I mean, like after Four Horsemen, you leave and, and fucking you go to fucking L.A. And then you start making these records and it's like completely like a rebirth. You did Octagon and then what'd you do? Sex Styles, right? I reinvented my career. Kinda. Absolutely. Whereas a lot of rappers, like I think if I didn't go to L.A., you wouldn't have heard that second half. You would have never heard, nobody would have, I would have been done probably, like, I would have been just a rap, like, that's it, like, because I noticed that that halfway cutoff spot, a lot of people is gone, so that second half of L.A. triggered, like you said, into a whole new, new dimension whole new for world. me. I mean, and then, like, Plastic World, right, that is... Well, I started with Kurt, and me and him started Man. making a lot of... You know, that's with, shots fired. With, uh, you know, <laughs> peanut butter wolf and, and 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 you ran away from home and all those records and they were a bunch of singles and then Kurt had a, a stray of records and Diesel Truckers, um, like you said, um, Masters you know, of Illusion. I worked with Motion Man a yeah. lot, yeah. And uh, that's my fi- that record. And then a is lot amazing. of that, and then Sex Style was like a photogenic album of my life in L.A. Kind of like it was just like. It was a porno atmosphere. That that was the real (laughs) life of of my life in L.A., taking pictures and the fun. And, like, that album represents Los Angeles to the fullest. Which one is it? Um, Sex Style represents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, The unreleased archive one is my shit, too. Yeah, Sex Style represents the fullest of L.A. to me. So, even the album cover, Sunset Boulevard, I stayed on Sunset. Like, that is one hell so, of an album cover. <laughs> yeah, so that album was like the first. <laughs> yeah, man. What was the, um, the beef with Jackie Casper at one point? Oh, well, Jackie was, um, Jackie got mad because he was like, um, what happened was I had put a lot of people on. I had got Jackie Jasper signed with me. Remember, I had to deal with Overcore. Me and Esham did an album. Right. We did Spankmaster. Oh, and, man, um, that's right. That's so another took, great so cover. I took, yeah, I met him too. So I took Jackie with me, too. Well, I had a tour bus. I, when I was doing the Black Elvis tour, I put on I put Mark Live on. I had the hype man Mark Live. I, I introduced Mark Live to Ice-T. I had, um, I had Analog, Analog Brothers. Uh, Rex and uh, me, Ice, Rex, and Black Silver. Black Silver was... Black Silver. <laughs> it's just that I had people with me loyal. Black Silver, Black Silver was loyal. Um, you know, I had a guy called A One Omega. He was loyal. I had a couple rappers under me. I had Amito. I had um Jackie Jasper, Mark Live, and then we did KHM was an album, a secret album that nobody really know. KHM was a big album. Yeah, it was an album with a little Rolls Royce on the front. KHM. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was just me, Jackie Jasper, Mark Live was KHM. So we did a big out. It was nice. Uh, KHM was it was a, a, a nice out. It was distributed by I think we had traffic or somebody. So what happened is, uh, oh matter of fact, KHM I got them a deal with um, Esham's label with Overcore, with Tom, with um, you know um, Esham um, had a guy Scott Santos that I got 
H bomb a deal. So H bomb turned on me after a while, and um, he just turned and got mad because I guess I didn't pay him. And then he was in um, he was out in Atlanta with you know coming out with Tim Dog and you know coming out there. I always thought Tim Dog was from Starving. LA, but I guess he's from Tim Dog is from here. He's out east. No, Tim was from New York. I, then Tim I, moved to for Atlanta. For some reason, I was all right. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I mean it's a cross color. Me, me and Tim helped a lot of people. I like I helped H Bomb. I helped Mark Live. I helped you know even before that time, it was a lot of groups that it was a lot of rappers I tried to help, but they they didn't make it anyway. Of course, they was mad and they went on and did other stuff and got mad and evil. So what happened is people didn't appreciate what I did so and then I had um you know same with Tim you know like Tim had Iggy Azalea damn at first she <laughs> was washing dishes at home in his house in Atlanta and he had a couple other artists I'm I'm just let me no, just I'm saying she was like no I'm saying no he no she used to, she said she used to always be like uh, she was like a, she had a um, hello mate she had a like a Australian accent and she was like I'm gonna be a rapper one day I wanna I wanna blow up and I wanna be big and I used to say you know I was an honest guy because he ran people not nah, he he ran people like a Tim was very militant. Like, he was a black Hitler. I call him black Hitler. Nice. So he would have them, you know, going to bed at a certain time. And he had a couple artists and stuff. He, and, you know, so he had some rappers and some singers. <laughs> and, he had, and, and he had Iggy Azalea. But, How did you know, he lose Iggy? He, I guess what happened was he didn't pay too much attention to her. And she was in Atlanta. So she started going out to clubs and meeting trap producers and stuff and then i think that's when she hooked up with grand hustle and ti yeah. and i think she hooked up and you know got you know went on her way i wasn't hating or nothing i, I was pretty cool with her because she was very serious about her career she was very yeah, i mean she did she, her she thing she was like um you know and she she just came from australia she just wanted to be successful yeah and, and but tim didn't see it that way he was more like he had his artists going to bed at a certain time and he had them doing more things like chores and like you know he like more like he got he had an office of artists but they was like they would do work around the house for him and you know take this to the laundry and like i was like but you know i guess he was like if you're gonna be with my artist and stay with me you're it's gonna like have rap to do boot camp huh yeah like it was rap. like a exactly it was like a little <laughs> army of rap boot camp yeah. so and then, you know, I was up there, you know, I would talk to the artist. He'd be like, don't talk to my artist, let them go to sleep and stuff. Because I was up there like a captain or something. Because I would come down every so often to Atlanta and hang out. But he so didn't boss me around. And we would just go eat like me and him was two bosses and stuff. But I used to be like, yo, you got to be a little bit easy on them. He like, don't bother them. Let them, they got to go to bed at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. They got to get up in the morning. Don't mess with them, you know. <laughs> did he have anyone in the camp besides Iggy that, that uh, did anything? Or? Uh, he had some a dope singing dude. He had a couple people. He had some dope rappers. And, yeah. You know, but, you know, he had ill flow with him, but... Even he was cool, you know. He was cool with me. He had a, he had a lot of good artists that was cool and stuff. And we would go out to strip clubs and come home every night. But we would go to strip clubs every night. Me and him would go to strip clubs, and he just had a daily schedule. He would go to strip clubs. He would hit every strip club in Atlanta, whatever the White Pony. Uh, he would go to uh, the White Pony sounds White awesome. Pony stroke, <laughs> White Pony strokers. White Pony strokers. He would go. He would go to. Um, you know, the wrong something, hole. The cats, um, something, the cat, <laughs> the cat lady. Uh, he would go to every spot and buy steaks all night, and and so he was living it up. Yeah, he was living it up, and and then he come home and get on his artist again, get get back into his military form, and 
and from there, and that's when, like, like you said, she went and did her yeah. thing, and and the rest was that. So, so and then this dynasty departed, and then you heard all the big stuff with NBC. Yeah, man, and, wild. And, he he know, had some Tim, wild. Sh- Tim had a lot of things that I didn't even know was going on. They thought he faked like his death, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know what happened, you know. And then I left Atlanta and and, and went. To some, uh, but I didn't stay in Atlanta a lot. I just come down sometimes for a week or something. Well, music weeks. basically allows you to just travel everywhere. I guess you could just basically. Yeah, I, I just came down. You to, know, cool Keith will be in Milwaukee like next week or some shit. Yeah, out. I would go see him and hang out for a bit and go shopping around the mall and stuff. Then I go fly back up to New York and um, but it was cool. He was in the condominium, staying in a big building with, a, with the Atlanta Hawks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, does, and, does that help you write? Because like you have like almost like 50 albums and you have to well constantly. I traveled all around the world yeah. so um, my experience of different I'm, foods and places and monuments and buildings and um, all kinds of monuments and traditional places where people go to eat you know restaurants all around the country and the world and every hot spot to go to restaurant every hot strip club every place that every rapper or baller has been i've been there it's, you it's, write it's stuff not down a place anymore? that I, it's not a place that i haven't been from vegas to to atlanta to florida to miami to new york to boston to a restaurant and anywhere, Sacramento, whatever is the hot restaurant yeah. or, you know, the underground restaurant, if it's Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, if it's Joanne's uh, Ham Hocks in Atlanta. And, I, I saw you, you know, with Missy Nardwar. Elliott's, uh, Missy, Missy, uh, what are, Aunt Chrissy's Potato salad, Potato Fries in uh, Alabama. I've been there. I, I saw you I've with been. Nardwar and he had the Roscoe shirt on. You were like, where'd you get that? <laughs> So it's it's never been any any monumental place. I mean, I've I think I've been there and done it. Like you know, I've experienced it. Any hot place that people were trying to go to and say, I, I sat in this chair. I've been to them them spots and it it, it it wasn't a place I haven't been. Well, this is Derek. I mean, do you, do oh, what's up, Derek? You, How you been? You want to say some shit? Cause I, yeah. I know that like also lifelong oh, yeah. fan. Here. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm here. That's yeah, what I don't we know here. What, like what you touched into, but uh, you know. I mean, you can join. It's going to automatically change anyway when you talk. So you know. I don't know. I'm just. Go like, with your own experiences. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as a young kid, you know, when I was when I was growing up, grew up in a music family. Mm-hmm. Brothers, you know, all my younger. I mean, all my older brothers were like drummers, you know, DJs and whatever. Uh huh. Late seventies, early eighties, and. But I remember when Eagle Trip came out. Right. And then all of a sudden, we had to have samplers in the house. And, you know, we had to have certain gear inside the house. So what I was, what I wanted oh, to know the, is, like, to. how did all of this stuff material, like, because all of a sudden it was like, bam, this is what we got. And now every, the world of hip-hop is changing in some way. In some way. How did it get from, like, you guys the getting together and then getting to that point of, you know. Well, we were we were fly, but like you said, when '88 came, '87, '90, we had that Gucci stuff on. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Dapper Dan was making all the clothes, and we was fly. That's when Harlem was out. That movement was like, you know, Harlem was out. You know, I think that was the time of everybody. You know, had the BMWs, and I think rap was fly at its utmost with the jewelry and 
You know, it, it was fly to have jewelry. Like it was, you know, rappers now. I mean, I think some places are bringing it uh, still kind of sharp. Like the South, they still wearing jewelry and chains. And I think New York let that part slide away, yeah. the flyness part. Whereas we thought, you know, looking grimy should be a part of music for us. Looking grimy should be. There was the like rap. A, there was like a shift. But New York was like, was like fly then. New York was fly. And I'm I'm like, I remember when we would go down south in other cities mm. and people would stare at us for hours. Like, <laughs> you know, now it's the other way around. Mm. You looking at somebody else in another region staring at him. He looking at you like, you ain't got these sneakers. Mm. But New York was way on top. We supposed was, to be a, like it was a different the fashion wise. Whenever you yeah. went, I know just as a kid, it's like just traveling with family. When you left New York and you dressed the way you did as like a quote unquote hip hop kid, people would stare people, at you. Yeah, you you can go to another city. Little kids from down south will look at you for about ten minutes in the mall. It was a complete culture. Like where you get them sneakers? They knew automatically think, yeah. that you wasn't from there. They'd be like, "Mommy, mommy, mommy, look at his sneakers." <laughs> Now it's the other way around. You like you go down there, you looking at somebody else. You like so it goes to short. But I never let that part stop me. I still dress to this day and buy clothes. I think the new kids don't realize how hard rap was, and you know should take that fashion into consideration. Like you know, rap didn't come up that way. It was fly, like you said. Rakim and them was fly. Eric B was fly. Uh, Big Daddy Kane was fly. Um, you know, everybody was fly. Eric I mean, B and Rakim, twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing yeah. So, so, you know, so, like, yeah, so. You know, but like I didn't. I didn't. I never heard of. I didn't. I didn't. I, See, because that, like for me, when I, I mean not to cut you up, but for me, like I know, like just growing up listening to like my brothers DJing, there was like everything hip hop was either. From what I remember, it was like electronic music-based beats, uh-huh. or getting a band to play whatever was the hot jam at the time, whether it be like heartbeat or whatever, and then you had whomever rap over top of it. But then ego tripping coming, that's just was like completely different. Well, we was in a mix of um, a lot of stuff was out too, like house music was out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you said, you had. What, there was know. like a, a different, yeah, there's like almost like a different chick. That's how he found your Dr. Octagon record. Yeah, I was spinning, right? Yeah, at the time I was, yeah, I was DJing um, at the time in the city. I just played Shine stuff. They used to play, uh, I used to be at the Supper Club. Oh, uh, where was, was play, this at? Uh, Supper Club in um, oh. Manhattan. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, Moax was one of my favorite labels. They used to put out these underground tracks on it, and all of a sudden, I see this Dr. Octagon. Octagon instrumental? Like, That's cool, Keith. You know, so, but then. It's funny, I reached a lot of other people through Dr. Octagon. Absolutely. That didn't even know I was cool, Keith. So it was like yeah. cross collateral fans. At one time, the Critical Beatdown fans and the Octagon, Octagon fans was totally separate, mm-hmm. they didn't even know each other. It was like I, w- I could step back in uh-huh. two worlds, back and forth, with literally not each, not each one knowing what was going on. At one time, it was just like that. Like the ultra yeah. fans didn't know nothing about octagon fans. You could ask a kid that come to a show, they'd be like, "Ultra Magnetic, what's that?" But I, would, I know Doctor Octagons, but I liked it I like that. I would have never known if I wasn't DJing, but I knew exactly. Ultra, and then I heard I was just. 
there's a distinct sound when you hear, you know, a right. Keith song. And there's this, a certain rhythmic it. pattern yeah. and certain things <laughs> yeah. that you know. And I was like, oh, wow, that's Cool Keith. You'll never hear Cool Keith and be not know. Like, no. you'll hear that's the flow completely. Um, I love, what can we talk about Nagatko Road? Oh, oh yeah, that was another album. Right? That's you, another yeah, one. you pulling albums up on me. Oh, <laughs> Nagatko was a, a good album. Uh, I love I that had record. a friend, um, I had a friend in Israel. I had a friend named Israel who lived in Florida. Matter of fact, he has a um, you know, he's from that magazine Insomniac. Yes. Yeah, Insomniac that, magazine. Um, he was a good friend of mine in Orlando. Which he used to live in New York too. He's a, his family's a great, per, you know, they're great people. And um, I went out there and I, he said, "Let's do a project, Mister Nagako." So it was like, which is Doctor Octagon back. I had a, I had a. Uh, it's like I had a slight cold. I went out there, but I did the album. I stayed in Orlando. And we just, he had some beats that were different. And, um, very like 1950s, like space. It was fly. I I kind of liked it, that album. It was fly. It was like, that was a dope album. And we knocked it out. And like you said, I was all about knocking out projects left and right at that time. I was on a a steam roller ball back then, like, like a bowling ball. Because my writing ethnics was so fast. Like, like they said to this day, you know, a lot of groups go in the studio, take them like, two weeks to do a verse like one verse <laughs> two two weeks to do I, one verse i don't want to call anybody out but i remember my brother used to work at uh these studios collide and, and he'd tell you play. some stories and he tell me that like a lot of, a lot that, of I, that i know that, are that huge were huge, and he that said they took a long time line at a and, and come and come and back like, no stop do that one line and just do one line at a and time. then go home and come and back and tomorrow come back and finish i got hickory dickory really i'll be back if you sometimes you go back and listen to the record, you can hear there's no real true rhythmic flow. Well, like you said, and there was a lot of rappers shocked. when I I was shocked too when I heard a lot of rappers and names and stuff like that. And I, you know, like you said, you look at the criteria of the rapper and the the, the you know the respect they had, and you was and they used to be like, word, word, that person took a long time. And they used to be like, yeah, man, it took them three weeks to do one song and i used to be like wow and me i take like three weeks to do an album <laughs> yeah do you have a specific formula or does the beat or the music well i don't really i don't have like some people get uh locked jaw i i don't get right my my writer's block is so it's not there all the time because i have so many subjects like i don't never get writer's block because i have a free way of writing like i don't have to do a I, I don't. Ha- I don't have to be so concepted. Like it's almost yeah. like jazz. Like well, you're like flowing. You're getting back to like you know, like the ego tripping, and not to, not to obsess upon that. But mm-hmm. a lot of all the music that was coming out from you guys and everything that you do, just to this day, I feel like you attack the beat as opposed to yeah. you're inside the beat. You know, it's right? Not like like you know, some, some guys want to be rhythmic with the beat yeah. and flow smooth with the beat, whereas like you're you attack attack the beat. So it's like here I am. It's like whatever I'm spin, saying, it's gonna be like, like that. Okay. Here and you I know am. what's funny? I was never, I never really erased a rhyme or nothing. Like I was always, con- <laughs> I was always, I was always confident with my first line. Like you know, how some guys ball up their papers. Some guys don't like the verse. I never was a guy that did that. I always keep it. Took the first verse is what it was. It, it, it shows in how it shows in the the. the the recording because it's very confident and very like direct and like I say attacking it there's no you know how could I say there's no not 
knowing. Yeah, there's no. It's just like yeah, it would. It is what it was. And like yeah, go. There's no like oh my my voice cracked or I was a little out of tune or I was a little out of key. Yeah, you know, it's just the raw element of just. And I always did. You know, it's funny. I was never really like an overdub person. I always did like a one line. Like my voice was just that. You know, some people like a lot of artists used to have like. They double the words like you know, like like Vanilla Ice, you know, rolling, going, showing. Like I never really did. I never overdubbed a lot. I didn't I was, think I didn't think Vanilla was gonna get a shout out in this episode. Well, I like I like well, we, well, he's he's still well, he's still a, he's still a, he's still a part of he's still a part of rap. He's he's in the he's he's in the party. But I'm saying I was just thinking that I never. I never um a lot I, of mad rappers right now. I, I I never I never really I always had like a single single take all the time, you know. Whatever happened Even to Even when people ask me to do dubs, I look I bug out on like you want me to do <laughs> dubs. Well, but it's not like, a bad thing, like but it's just I almost feel like you have a like it's like almost a jazz improvisation. I mean not to get too corny, but you're yeah. like almost like a jazz artist in inside to music. a rapper because you're you don't have you know, certain rappers that I that I hear that get a lot of respect. Uh-huh. Their cadence on all their songs are the same. Right, they right, the right. Same rhythmic patterns. You change the beat, you speed it up, speed it down. They the have same the same pattern. cadence, the same rhythmic patterns. Are they same so they word and the, the same, same slogan? Wording, you know, another thing I did. Whereas I feel like you are, you know, you know, all you know, another thing I never did but too. Still inside, you to, know, the to, structure of the beat. What I never did too is is, is limit myself with. <laughs> I I never used to do like dates on records mm-hmm. and i never did like you know like whatever we were saying like a word like the slang or something mm-hmm. that people would say okay he's using the slang of this year or he's saying something like you know what everybody else was using the slang of that year or whatever it was remember every year we had a word a certain word everybody could say Audi 5000 Audi, <laughs> you know I, I i i that's one thing too i i I think in a lot of my records, I, I stayed away from the slogans of, of the basic word of the year, something like you know, like word up, or you know, you know, you know what, drop the bomb on it, or you know what, he or, he's a problem. Well, you know, yeah, I, I I stayed choruses, away to your, your choruses don't really are like it's. I feel like it's just to accentuate whatever was just happened, whatever you just said. It's not like I'm here to like give you some sort of. I don't know what I'm trying. You know, like, you know like, what's funny too? Because sometimes I used to write a song, and the song could be a, a song that I'm talking everything. You know, I'm talking like you said about three verses is gunning and running and blah 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 blah. But it could be talking about then I might say something. I'm the peacock, but it's like, <laughs> but it was like the songs were the verses were themselves by themselves. And then it just come back to I'm the peacock. So it was like that was cool because it was like it was all free. I was I used to let the chorus sit by itself, and it didn't really have to go with the verse. You know how some people have to match everything all the way. I had let it be what it is. I let that be the chorus, and this might be the verses. But your chorus is almost sometimes might be just the last word, last verse to whatever. Your, the last your, your, word of the whole verse that don't yeah, the verse yeah. don't even really and then you get a little break it. yeah and then here you come again yeah and so I, I was work basically into the words attacking and the the verse is strong and this be the chorus mm-hmm. like whatever happened to insomniac 
Uh, with with him, with with who? With Insomnia, because you like they did Venomous Villain, they put out Nagatko Road, they did a, they did some really good releases. Um, well, there was like a uh, with with them it was more like a it was like a magazine label, so it was not like a I real didn't even label. know that. Yeah, yeah, it was not like a um. It was not I wasn't on Columbia or nothing. It was okay. just those were like novelty projects and stuff, things that I did that was cool and stuff. So, you know, those things were, were albums that were worked out on just, you know, just doing albums. I did a lot of albums for fun too. So oh, absolutely. I, I did if a lot of do- I did a lot of business albums and I did a lot of albums because they were just fun to do. And now like the technology allows you to do that. Like yeah. now you don't need to go to like, you know, write track or wherever to to, to Well, I still time. record. I still record. Um, just regardless, I still record. Yeah, but I'm saying like you, you don't. Into, do you go into a studio or do you have like a, a setup at your at your at your home at your house? Um, I go to a studio because I used to do homes, go to people's houses. But I found out the engineers was too comfortable and it took away from the professionalism. Mm-hmm. So I started going to the studios because I I like to work against the clock. It's like basketball, you know. You learn how to shoot in 24 seconds. You get a song done and within an hour and you're done, which a lot of rappers can't do. So it's just like college ball and the pros. You go, so you got when you when you got yeah. I like to under pressure. You know, it makes me work better and write faster. And it's I train. I, I see a lot of rappers when they used to jam under pressure. And mm-hmm. It's like the clock. So you, you college boy, you can hold the ball what for like eight hours or yeah. something. <laughs> and, and the pros, you got twenty four, twenty four, twenty four seconds. That's that, that's the, the huh? Yeah. That's so a lot of these dudes though, like you said, I learned too. A lot of dudes was supposedly being the pros, and they and I started hearing that they needed. 80 hours to do something that's <laughs> that took me out right there so and it kept me sharp to this day and i still do that formula to this day that i like that 24 second clock so, so that i mean definitely i agree with that um but you had one record on a major which was columbia right you did black elvis on that oh uh, yeah that's correct you black, got like living astro but black video. elvis is funny because you know we was trying to black elvis is a funny project they held it and i had to email the whole company sony to release the record you know had to let the fans mail bogus emails to to release the song because they held it that's when i did dr doom i did dr doom because they held the album because you know i had a lot of people up there you know and they didn't know what they were doing and stuff so you know um, were they holding it well black elvis was supposed to be an urban project but they went and made it experimental because they didn't, the streets and their the offices and they had meetings about the album. They didn't know what to do with it because it was so different. They was like, what are we going to do with this album? What are we going to do with the album? And, you know, the artwork is, I had told them from the nutshell, like Black Elvis is for the Black Elvis Presley. Let's market it urban. Let's go just do radio, like you know, you saying all all companies they know. Let's let's do the rotation radio, pay for the slots. Let's get the record on. Let's do you know whatever was on that album. But they went and took it in their own way as experimental. Like we're gonna make this alternative. I think that's that's what the backfiring they, backfiring they, they was. Um, promoted. In the proper in the proper, proper way that the, you thought that it should be, or to the yeah, proper yeah, crowd yeah, that you yeah, believe yeah, it should yeah, have yeah. Been. I had a meeting. I said, "Let's go with Black Elvis Urban." Do you think maybe they were trying to uh, 
piggyback off maybe something Dr. Octagon yeah, fame or uh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe try to, what happened of, was they, 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 like you said, they followed the tail of that and said, let's try to make this. But it, it was pretty good. I did a tour with it, and every show was packed because I had the wig on. Did you but do it the backfired because, like you said, it was like a cosmic soccer player with a wig on, with a yeah. rubber wig on, like Elvis. So, so, so what happened was? Um, did you do Warp Tour on that tour? Yeah, Crazy. I, I did. I, did um, I had two shows a night. Sometimes I'd do the Warp Tour and then go do a Black Elvis show. So what happened was the album, like you said, they targeted. An alternative market with the album. I guess they figured, well, we're gonna get college students. Well, that's what they always thought with me. Instead of I was some sometimes many of those albums, I told them they should market them go urban. Let's try to go urban radio. Like if you you're doing if you're marketing an average which person. Find, which the funny thing is, while you do get marketed to an alternative crowd, yeah. the irony behind it is that it's probably the most street hip-hop lyrical style or well you know what i not, thought it not, was too i like say it depends on the preference of the or artist. like i mean like you're, well you know what i thought about not, it too it was I, I i said i had said the urban audience would catch on it just need to be worked as you yes. said when outcast came and they took advantage of what i didn't do so what happened was, be, what happened was, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They, they got over that. the greed. They got over of what I should have done, <clears throat> which I was doing first, mm-hmm. which I did. They went urbanly and did it and then went to the pop, which I had first said this, let's do the same game that they were doing. But what happened was they didn't really never listen to me and marketed me. It's like you said, they were so fond on trying to be like octagon or let's follow this alternative audience. But the thing was that that didn't need to be worked. That was already there. That audience was already there. That was just lazy. The point was to get the gold urban and then come back to this because this is already there. Keith. Experimental music is already going to be there. The audience for experimental music is already there. You supposed to went straight forward and teach the people that should be taught what I was doing. Keith, I have a question. How do you decide which tracks you want to go with the offbeat style versus just straight on beat? Like, because I know you like, I know when I hear like certain Dr. Doom records from First Come, First Serve, you're on it. But then you have some ones where you just want to just go off beat, and ain't ain't nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask you like how you decide between which ones. You just go with like whatever the fuck you're feeling then, or like how, how do you how do you decide? Well, what happened that? was I I can uh, I I figured out my my cadence. I I can write twenty or thirty records and put them to the side on a piece of paper, but they'll all fit on they'll all fit on any beat. Whereas a lot of rappers write to the beat. Sometimes I do that, but I never did that. Some people write, some people could write naturally to their own cadence in their mind. Yeah. They said, like, some people got a click in their head already. And uh, what I learned to do is, like, the words automatically match the beats. Like, you could program a beat now, and I can go get a piece of paper mm-hmm. already finished yeah. and put my lyrics down, and I'm finished. Whereas maybe somebody else is going to be sitting here writing, like, damn, I got to yeah. get my verse together. Like, a lot of people over- Think too. Yeah, <laughs> He's so that's shit. Very musical. Yeah, so so I, I I learned that for a long time. First, I was rapping to the beats. Then I learned how to rap against the beats. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, maybe I'm letting the beat be. I'm letting the beat train me. Mm-hmm. Let me train the beat. So uh, that's what made me better as an artist. I, I started writing a lot of songs, more songs at home. Like I got a pile of records at home. 
a pile of songs, mm -hmm. but I can snatch three papers mm -hmm. out and go to the studio tomorrow and fit and put them on oh, something. Man. But it's the way the beat is programmed mm -hmm. too, so all the beats are all gonna be programmed. So you can swing your words around to them cadences and they start fitting. Now, do you hear? Do you? Do somebody but I say, never feel off. Like I won't say nothing. Like when are you too rock? Like you ain't never <laughs> yeah. gonna hear. Like you're never gonna hear a yeah, bad yeah. glitch though. No. Mm -hmm. Cause the words are, I found out before, you know what it happened from? It happened when you heard Ego Tripping, mm -hmm. when we did Choosing Scientific Matter, Pro Forever, and all the records. Yeah. Those re those words didn't rhyme and stuff. Mm -hmm. Even like Special K when the Treacherous Three, you know, like the Treacherous Three, like even Special K and Sunshine never really rhymed. Yeah. Like even Special K never rhymed. But like even like back in the days, like you know, Teela rocking them was throwing big words on a lot of records. When you start saying abomination, the education, the population, fertilization, appraising, so if you putting them big words on tracks, mm -hmm. you it's good that you're fitting them on. So <laughs> when it, when then when you're when when time go on, you using smaller words, it's much easier. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you use the pronunciation of the devastation, the create, it's like them words is like eighty feet long, yeah. and you know, Obama like oxidation. People put people used to make them words fit on rhythm. <laughs> Yeah. So and then it became easier when little words came, yeah. and now you're saying little. I'm going to crib, and then I see the girl coming. It it got easier. It just became like a like eating ice cream. Wow. I like ice cream. Um, I don't want to take up too much more. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna wrap this up yeah. in, in a little bit. Uh, I just want to say, once again, because I I didn't really get a chance. I I don't want to dwell on this record, but man, Masters of Illusion. I want to tell you is probably one of the most underrated hip-hop records of all time. Oh, it's, you liked it, Masters of Illusion. Yo, Masters of Illusion. Yeah. Kurt was at his age. Kurt, Kurt was... Um, the beats were ridiculous. You're like, you, you killed it. What was that? The, the, the bridge song? Yeah, yeah. Well, You um, want a freestyle? Bronx, Queensbridge, Bronx Bridge, uh, Bay damn. Bridge. Um, uh, me and Motion, you know, yeah. I like Motion as artists. You know, Kurt had some interesting, you know... A lot of things what he was doing, and me and him did some great anymore? things. I don't know, like you know, Kurt had downsized his equipment, and I seen Kurt when he got rid of his ASR ten. I thought Kurt was always at his apex when he made Sex Down. You know, Kurt did Sex Down. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I used to tell Kurt. Kurt, I used to man, don't leave that element. And I think, you know, some producers tend to get in the sun and the beats get happier. You know what I'm saying? When you start making, you can tell when the producer's not hungry no more. The beats start yeah. sounding sweet. They start trying to, like, they making a beat for a singer or something. Is, uh, and Creative anymore yeah, with their beats. Yeah. It starts, it starts the to beats don't sound hard no more and grimy. I, I think it, the same thing happens with artists as well. You know, like, because yeah. you start to fall into formulas because you feel you know what's working because you know what's yeah, been working yeah, for yeah, you yeah, the past yeah. few years. Yeah. So you're almost afraid to step out of that. that I box think that's what we have. That's why else. You're right. That's why a lot of artists, a lot of artists couldn't evolve from yeah. a lot of times, man. Like you said, well, it's a lot of. Tell I, I don't so want to say no names. Like I've sent artists from the '80s a lot of beats, and they couldn't adjust to the new stuff mm -hmm. at all. Like they didn't. 
they just didn't even try. Like I'm like even some of the number one producer beats, like some of the, some some artists sometimes that you would think like you know would they try to be different? Like they would step out the box. Like a lot of these guys, like you said, they're in that comfort zone forever. Like they're not gonna leave what they did in the '90s and '80s. Yeah. They're not gonna move away from it at all. They won't. Even like even some you know early 2000s people that you know got a little comfortable in the early 2000s and want to try to do some stuff now and. And they you know got what, their and, formula, and, and, they and, got their whatever, and then they know they got a little popular with and, that formula, and now they want to make, see if they can recreate that. And, and you know what's funny, too? And they stuck with the, the style that they mm -hmm. had from that time, too. And they rusty with the cadence. Like you said, rappers like basketball, you still got to practice your rhythm, and your, you got to yeah. go to the studio sometimes, yeah. even a lot, because you can fall off and... You can hear that glitch and when a, see a P, you know you can yeah. struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could that air that air is something. Mm. That air. I'll t I'll tell you this to to talk about myself for one second. Um, I, I play in a band, right? So I yeah. sing. Uh, sometimes we, we haven't played a show in a while, and and we practice only once. A, all right, we're going. What colossal? We could, we could produce your own album. You want to promote your own album? You going on? Are you doing sound check? Okay. Anyway, okay. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap go ahead, this go up. Ahead, go ahead. But uh, yeah, like I said, the the air is a big thing. I I've been practicing. Thought he was going on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I said it's too. He's so hype. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the lungs, man. I've been singing in the car more in mm -hmm. between shows because it's like you got to keep that lung capacity going, uh -huh. otherwise you get winded and you know, shit. I, so. Funny, it's funny thing you say that. I I brought a guitar into my work van just so I could play. Yeah. yeah. We're in a band together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he does that. Yeah, this. Yo, yo, Derek is a renaissance man. Yeah, I do all kinds of stuff. Oh shit! All right, so um, I just want I want to finish it up and say that uh, the first time you played here, I I had a fucking blast and and uh, Mike. Uh -huh. Asked me to give you a ride home, remember? Right, right. Yeah, that was cool. Because you came yeah. out here. And yeah, me and Bushman. And I'll tell you this, right? The funniest shit. Like, when he asked me to do it, I was like, yo. I'm like, okay. I've been listening to this dude's music forever. I'm going to have him in the car. I could talk to him. I could just ask him all the questions I want. Because he's not going to ask me. I thought I've ever asked yeah. I would ask him. Right. Him. He's not going to ask me to leave him in the middle of the LIE because I'm being right. annoying. Right, right. A captive <laughs> audience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, my, and my friend goes to me like this. He's like, yo. I, I hope because we're dicks to each other. He's like, I hope he gets in his car, in your car, and he falls asleep <laughs> until he gets to his place, which is kind of what happened. Right. And I was I think like, I fell asleep too. Right? Totally I was tired did. as fuck. Yo, oh yo, it was like this. I was like, go, I was like, yo, what was it like to work with MF Doom? And like your boy elbowed you, and you were like, huh, 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 huh. And he was like, How? he wants to know what it was like to work with MF Doom, and you were like, oh yeah, cool man. And he went right back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How do you locate yeah, MF yeah, Doom? Like, how do you do that? I don't know. He got a different um different address or something. He calls you and then he mails his vocals <laughs> in and mean, stuff. He's like, but I don't know where he is. He's son. the rap Bill Murray. Hmm? Like, so. You can never find this dude. Ever, ever, ever. You can never find him. Were you a KMD fan? I, I didn't even know MF Doom was KMD. That's funny. That's the thing about it. I know KMD Peach was and yeah. stuff, but I didn't know... That was him. I didn't know it was Zev Love X. I was just, it was just he put the mask on. I just thought it was a whole nother guy. Whole nother thing. So, all right, well, listen, um, 
this has been awesome. Thank you so much for doing it. Um, man, that's that's about it. Uh, oh, Derek, yeah, man. You to, know, to the right of me here. All kinds of information. You know, I'm there, you know, definitely. Um, and my Ultraman 7000 Twitter. Hit me up. <laughs> Anything you, uh, you want to... I got a video coming out, you know, new videos coming out. And look on my Ultraman 7000 Twitter. And dang one like the plugs is uh, stuff right now. Come on. Dang one. Talking to the mic over here, Daniel. Yeah, the new album just dropped on the 16th last Friday. Everything in the dark comes to the light on Junkadelic Records. Dane Uno, everything in the dark comes to the light. Junkadelic Records, Fat Beats. Ask him like two questions. You know, you know, it's on the streets. What should we expect on here? You can get it everywhere. You know what I'm saying? You can expect. You got. You got. Uh, of course, myself, Future Cool Key, Future P Rock, Future uh, Math Hoffa, Future Sav Kills. You know what I'm saying? The album is thorough. You know, I'm from Chicago Southside. You all know right. what I'm saying? So, you know, y'all want some real hip-hop? Check out that album. We're it's already connected over. on Twitter, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. so. You can get it everywhere. It's on all digital platforms and and, and some of the some of the, some of of the the stores where they, where, they, where they exist on the street, the physical ones, if you can find one somewhere in your hood. If I've been there and dropped something off, other than that, it ain't there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go straight, go online and do that pre-order. But you can order them everywhere, like like places like Target, Best Buy, Barnes & Noble, uh, um, Fat Beats, of course, um, uh, 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 Underground Hip Hop, you know, a few places, Spotify. You know, it's, it's I got it on Spotify then. Yeah, 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 yeah. You so real, real quick, th this podcast is about music and movies being influence influences in our, in our lives. So I'm going to ask you real quick before we run out of time. Okay. What are, What are your five most influential artists? Like Honest, the, the, the people. Like no, I'm what? saying like the, the the five. If you want to do movies, you could do movies. <laughs> you could do movies or the five artists that influenced you the most to do what you do. Um, of course, Keith. Oh, you got to say Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eric Sermon. Okay. Um, 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 uh, um, of course, uh, Rakim. Rakim. Um, oh man, you going, you going Long Island. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Chuck D. You know. Ah oh, man. So like all the greats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All those, those people I, you know, was doing it when I was. Like, uh, uh, they, I, they was like in their prime. I uh, thought you were gonna shout out like Chicago Common. Yeah. I mean, but they wasn't. They were coming up with me. I was coming up along with them. Like yeah. It oh wasn't, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't like it was from somebody from Chicago that was that was already standing out. Gotcha. Even Twister, like T Twister, Twister was. Um, you know he got he held he hold the uh, Guinness Book of World he's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest rapper in the world. I do know that. So so like that was like the biggest thing like coming from Chicago and it was it was other rappers but they never really got over that hump to 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 be someone like with no globally or like worldwide but they were there but you know until like the twisters and commons and the do or dies and and psychodramas and, and and those people you know nuisance like when, when those people started coming around that's when chicago was getting those crucial conflicts out the crucial conflict like those people was then the eye was coming to chicago yeah. like oh they exist like, <laughs> 
they coming from? Like that that was the that was happening. I was coming you, up. In, that's right. I, I was I was coming up in that wave. I was coming up in the wave of when everyone was starting to notice Chicago. Like for oh. a second, I thought you had a white sack, a socks. No, <laughs> no, no. at a time, but yeah, Red River Podcast. That's Dane Uno. Check him out. Yeah. Um, cool key. Thank you, Diesel. E. Yes, yes. My name is Diesel Lee. It's uh. Capital D, lowercase I, capital E, dollar sign, lowercase E, dash capital, and uh, capital L, dash capital E. That's how it's spelled. It's spelled determined individual earning money every lyric experimentally. An upcoming MC. I am from Queens, New York, now in Long Island. You can find me on bear with the mic music dot bandcamp dot com. Check me out. All right, cool. So, Derek, we're out of here. Word. Peace. Later. Peace.